Hey, yo, what's poppin'? It's the homie Sydney, and we are lit. We are here with John Doe on the Kickback Sessions. Girl, what's good? How was your day today from a scale of 1 to 10? How was today for you? Today was pretty calm. Uh, okay. Give me a number. <laughs> Give me a number. Like a seven and a half. Like a seven and a half. Okay. It's my first press day um, out in L.A., mm-hmm. so I was just relaxing. Where were you visiting today? Um, I went to Fashion Nova earlier. Oh, you got some bags. I see here with the bags, y'all. Influencer bag. Bay, the influencer bag, period. Okay, period. And then you started doing some more press today? No, you. You were my first time. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Honestly, y'all, I've been following your music for a minute now, and it's just your sound is just so ethereal, and it just takes hey. you into a space, and it's just so unique. I always wanted to know, like, what would you listen to growing up that kind of gave you that inspiration to mm-hmm. make music so unique? Well, I feel like I have a heavy, heavy R&B influence, mm-hmm. so I pretty much came, I, I don't want to call it generic, because it's not generic, mm-hmm. um, but like, I feel like the regular, regular R&B, especially the early 2000s, like Destiny's Child, mm-hmm. Beyonce, Sierra, Aaliyah, mm-hmm. like, all of that, and then I got a little bit into jazz, like, um, you know, John Coltrane, and mm-hmm. Amy House and Billie Holiday, and Nancy Wilson, mm-hmm. um, I feel like in high school is when I started kind of learning more. Because I had a lot of friends that made music, and they were like, oh, you never heard of so-and-so? Because I, I was, like, 17, and I still mm. haven't heard Voodoo by D'Angelo. Oh, damn. So I had a lot of friends that were like, oh, girl. Okay, you need to listen yeah. to this. Right, right. And growing up, though, was that, what music was played in your household? Mostly gospel. It was a mix between mm. the gospel, the real, like, ballad, R&B, like, Okay, I know all the words. I feel you. Let's keep going. Let's um, keep going. But between that and my mom yeah. actually listened to a lot of Biggie, which would. Did that inspire you at all? Me. Rap, yeah. Definitely. Mm. I think that was kind of the thing that I didn't expect to be drawn to. But How so? Um, just because I really. I don't know. I guess just as like a little girl, mm-hmm. I listened to so much, R&B. so much gospel, so much R and B. Like rap was just not and, really and much he, in the picture. You know what I'm saying? And Tupac and hearing mm-hmm. like the stuff they were saying. So I think that was the first time I heard kind of like men just say mm-hmm. whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I listened to some Missy growing up, but I think you really give me a Missy vibe. And I, when I was listening to your project, just watching some of your older visuals, like have you ever gotten that comparison at all? Yeah, like Missy that shit's there. But period. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's the only, usually the people that people compare mm-hmm. me to, I didn't really start listening to until after the fact. Like who? Like Erica. Mm-hmm. People say Erica all the time. Lauren, I grew up on Lauren, but um, I would say she influenced me for a little while, and then I kind of, like, veered off into something more mm-hmm. complex as far as sound-wise. What about Missy did you gravitate towards? I just loved her confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved her versatility. I loved that. No matter what type of song she make, you're gonna mm. groove to it. I like like Missy can get in that pocket and make you really enjoy mm. what she's making. I also like as I grew and got older, seeing her impact, how many groups that she put on, how mm. many people she wrote for, how many people she oh, produced yeah. for. Hearing some of my favorite R and B songs and hearing Missy in the bag, like Wicked, I'm like, this bitch is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, that was definitely inspiring. I feel like I'm on the same path, mm-hmm. kinda. 
Is there a certain album for you when you got the introduction to that wave of R&B music that started inspiring you that really changed? How you looked at it, like a certain album or a certain song? I would say it's one year that like my mom bought me a bunch of CDs because everything else was kind of like what I was exposed to, mm -hmm. whether it was like radio or TV. Um, I feel like that year, like one year for Christmas, I feel like it was a lot of CDs on sale at Target. Yeah. So my mom <laughs> bought me like, she bought me like 10 CDs, all like raw ass women who were in the R&B, like dance wave. Um, and the Dangerously in Love album by Beyonce. Yeah, that's one of my like, favorite albums. I think that's yeah. Beyonce at her best, honestly. Yeah, like, it was the one, most vulnerable, one of her the best. most raw. Yeah, one of her best. And definitely very early in her like creativity too. Mm -hmm. So I think that song, that's the song that made me want to sing. Like, first I heard Beyonce, I was like, I want to sing so bad, but my voice didn't really come <laughs> in. It wasn't there what yet. What age was that? Um, 11. 11. 11, yeah. So at 11, well, before 11, were you already singing all the time? Or when did you really know, like, okay, I got the voice? I didn't really sing. And so I feel like all my life I've had a good ear for mm -hmm. what sounds good. I didn't he ever hear myself sing and like how it sounded until maybe I got to high school, mm -hmm. like 14 and 15. But around 11, 11 was actually the the first time I recorded in the studio. And it was the funniest thing ever because, so I recorded my, they recorded me singing Dangerously in Love by Beyonce, which is obviously a mm -hmm. way too big of a song for somebody that doesn't <laughs> sing. And my whole family had it on a CD, so I would get in the car and my grandma would be playing it, and it would sound so bad. And I would just be in the backseat crying. Because <laughs> everybody would just be laughing, like, yeah, yeah. girl, you like, see? Like, you're trying. <laughs> you're trying. And I'm like, please turn it off. It sounds right. so bad. Um, but I think 14, um, I was going to high school for musical mm -hmm. theater. I started taking lessons um, with my music teacher. Mm in middle school. A lot of things that he told me back then still stick with me today, like mm -hmm. not enunciating. Like whenever I hear people listen mm -hmm. to my music, they're like, I don't know what the fuck she's saying. I just hear my music teacher in my head telling right. me. Enunciate. Right, yeah. But that was around mm -hmm. the age where I kind of got into it, but still I was more drawn to spoken word, rap, mm -hmm. and poetry. <coughs> I think that I was just kind of like cultivating that ability. Was there a poet that you were really interested to that spoke to you? Uh, no, but there was like that Def Jam poetry mm. wave that I was really into. Mm -hmm. um, most of the poets I listened to were were like my peers. Yeah. I think that's like a, a big thing in Chicago culture. Like mm -hmm. most of my inspiration were my peers. Like somebody like No Name. Mm -hmm. I was a fan of No Name in high school. Like, Tell me about growing up in Chicago. <laughs> Man, we and all. Where, and where exactly in Chicago you're from? I'm from the west side of Chicago. Yeah. Yes. It's not <laughs> a lot of us. Um, I'm from the west side of Chicago. Mm. Um, I grew up all over the city. I'm a city girl through and through. Um, I spent a lot of time at U Media, which mm. is a youth like place in the Harry Washington Library. Mm -hmm. A lot of people from Chicago came up there, like No Name, Vic Mensa, Chance the Rapper, Saba, mm. all of Pivot Gang. I actually met Saba and Pivot Gang in you media and th those are my cousins so i met them wow. <laughs> at like a city like community mm -hmm. thing and everyone was just going there just to create mm -hmm. like let yeah. off steam yeah um i actually want to go back eventually sometime soon but mm -hmm. go back and like make sure i cultivate that space and bring that energy back mm -hmm. um but 
that was like the craziest thing. One of our mentors, Brother Mike, he passed away a couple years ago, but he was a big pillar of our community and bringing mm-hmm. all of the artists together. U Media was the first place I ever recorded a song. Well, um, well, the second song I ever mm-hmm. recorded um, was at U Media. First time I ever got my own studio time. Um, the first poetry slam team I was on was U Media. Mm-hmm. The first open mic I ever went to. So. It got to the point my mom didn't even want me to be there because I would be there until it closed. <laughs> um, but it was the only place I could express myself. Yeah. And just what, a, what about it spoke volumes? Like, what characteristic? I think just all of all of these kids from all over the city who didn't mm-hmm. know each other. But it's kind of like the same feeling church gives you. Like, mm-hmm. when you come to a church and um, everybody has the like mindedness mm-hmm. everybody came in there wanted to create and mm-hmm. enjoy each other and be inspired and so mm-hmm. that that was the energy that was in there what was the age range of the kids in that program all high school so anybody that is not in high school is not allowed to be in the space obviously mm-hmm. unless you're like alumni like me mm-hmm. you know <laughs> <laughs> but nobody that is out of high school is allowed to be in the space so it was just high school and sometimes middle school kids but mm-hmm the people that were staying late and for the open mics and stuff it was mostly high school kids hell yeah and you stay in that program until when until i graduated until you graduated yeah and did you how'd you see yourself even growing in that program when you first started compared to when you finished mm. how'd you describe your growth i i was challenged a lot which mm. had never happened i think i was very new to just being an artist in general i didn't even really see myself as an artist yet Mm-hmm. Um, but especially when I joined the slam team, that was the first time that any of my work had been criticized. Mm-hmm. So I just remember just being so sensitive um, to how people receive me. But the criticisms that they gave me just shaped me as an artist. Like some of the first feedback I got just from my peers in general, they were like, you write all of these story-based pieces, mm-hmm. but we don't hear anything about you. You don't talk about yourself. You don't talk about your life. You don't talk about your own struggles. Everything is like some fictional. And I was just like, okay, damn, you <laughs> you read me in. And so, like, um, but it struck me, like, as a young girl, like, yeah. there's a reason why I avoid telling my own story. Mm-hmm. I'm guarded. I'm private. Um, mm-hmm. And the first year that I actually, because we went through rounds, but we had a big team, so you were only going to perform if you were there to practice your piece and grow grow your piece and really edit it. Um, and so the first year that I actually got to perform as an individual poet was the year that I wrote about something really personal to mm-hmm. my life. So I think that really spoke What age to was me. that? Uh, 16, mm. 17. Yeah. And um, was it scary to finally, like, be able to tell your story that vulnerably? It was definitely emotional. Mm-hmm. It's emotional when you write a, a piece like that and then you have to memorize it. Mm-hmm. So you have to, like, beat that into your brain, all the stuff that you're saying mm-hmm. and recite it over and over and over. So, you know, the first couple times you cry every time and yeah. you get used to it and then you get on stage and it's just crying mm-hmm. all over again because you're in front of all those people just telling your truth. But mm-hmm. that was the most powerful part. And then after that, did you finally get comfortable with sharing your truth or did it take still take some time to elevate? Into it that? took some time to grow into it. Mm-hmm. But I think that was the first step of me being like, wow. It was just like a lesson, like when I show who I am and show parts of me, that's more relatable mm-hmm. than me trying to write a relatable piece. Yeah. You know? Cause it's interesting because your songwriting now to me is so personal. Mm. 
and so descriptive of you and who you are. Right. Right? Yeah. Because just even with Crash and just even going into empathy, like, it feels like I'm reading through pages of your diary for real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what we call the new vlogs, well, my first Tumblr was called The Doe Diaries, and then mm-hmm. my new vlog series is called um, The Doe Diaries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of comments of people just praising my transparency. Yeah. I think that now, like, going through that process now, mm-hmm. I'm kind of used to just, like, I just don't really even think about it. When mm-hmm. I'm in the studio, I'm writing. I don't think about what I'm writing. Mm-hmm. That makes it easier to be honest. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that you're being honest. You're just like, I'm just saying what's in my head. Yeah. It's crazy when people come back and they interpret it like, oh, you were feeling like, or I interpreted it like. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn. And you took it this way. You that's took it this ha- way. But that's how I was way. feeling. And when you write it, you're not thinking about that. You're just mm-hmm. letting the words flow. Yeah. So I think songwriting teaches you, or any type of writing, just especially when you just kind of like let it flow. Mm-hmm. It teaches you a lot about just how your brain works. Yeah. Sometimes you're not even processing the emotions that you're mm-hmm. feeling, but they're coming out in the music, mm. and you hear it back. You're like, "Damn, Damn. I was going through it." You know? Hell yeah! And have you always been an empathetic person? I think so. Um, mm. I went through a phase in high school where I w- like, I was very cold. I was mm. very insensitive. I was very crude and mean and i like mm-hmm. my humor was like the more mean i could be it was funnier mm-hmm. to me yeah. and i feel like that was a defense mechanism for me feeling like i'm so sensitive and mm-hmm. all of these things hurt me and i care about everything and i care about everybody and just you know dealing with abuse and experience yeah. and witnessing abuse to you know people in my family mm-hmm. just made me kind of very guarded so I think I always have been like that, but with empathy, it kind of came full circle. Like, I am the sensitive person. I am this person that wants to be loved, mm. that wants love. Um, yeah. And that's just it. And a lot of people are like that. Mm. You know? So it's interesting to even open up that dialogue with people yeah. that were listening. I'm proud of you for even getting to that point because, man, it takes years for people to finally start being able to get comfortable mm-hmm. with their truth because that's – that's some, that's some people's, like, biggest fear, man. Like, just to be vulnerable, to mm. have someone see them for who they really are. Right. I mean, I'm still scary still str- like still that. Still struggling with that. <laughs> I mean, me too. Like, <laughs> I hold up. I've been even just talking to my friends over the past week. I'm like, man, I am so guarded. I'm looking at my relationships. I'm like, why don't I let people in? Like, mm. I really push back a lot of people. And it's like, yeah, that's human. But how it's so hard to fully ever we really need break people. out of that. We need yeah, people. Yeah, we really like, do need people. Just for you to come into this world, you mm-hmm. need somebody. Even if your mom gave birth by herself, you needed her to bring you mm-hmm. into this world. You needed your parents to mm-hmm. even come into existence. Like, we need people. I had to accept that as somebody who's a loner and will isolate myself. Mm-hmm. It's something I know about being empathetic, like soaking up other people's feelings all the time. And energy. It really draws me to be like, I need to be alone. And it's not really a bad thing. Sometimes I, you do need to recalibrate, but mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, you really need people. And as many people come to me and say, you're so transparent and you're so honest and you're so brave. I'm like, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm still private. I'm still, I'm still working not through showing him. everything. This is this is a fraction. Like, <laughs> right. Sometimes this is what I want to show you. And right. Receiving this. The, I went through this process of accepting this by myself, mm-hmm. and now I'm ready to show that part. Because I've accepted that. I've moved exactly, past. exactly. So it's a process, mm-hmm. but I think, like, as I go through the journey of just being an artist more and more, that mm-hmm. um, 
it'll become a little bit easier. It definitely will. Yeah. It's just a journey. It's yeah. a journey you kind of have to accept, and if you're willing to press go on that journey. Right. Has there ever been a moment when you've ever been too empathetic and it's backfired on you? Um, I think it's when you empathize a lot with people, mm. you just run into people a lot that will drain you. Yeah. And that will just take advantage of the fact that you are always going to consider the reasoning behind what you're doing i have i feel like i have a lot of discernment like i had a lot of i have a lot of people that know that i'm empathetic and so Mm -hmm. they try to kind of play on my heartstrings yeah but people don't know like if you're really around somebody that's truly like a strong empath they know the difference between like real raw emotions and like you are doing this Mm -hmm. to get a reaction out of me even when you like, even when people like me watch movies and you see those actors like, and they be talking, or they in mm-hmm. a, an emotional scene and you get to crying and stuff. And in the back of my head, I'm like, this is not real. Like, why am I crying like this? But it's like, <laughs> those actors are pulling from a real place. Like, yeah, the realer the it. place that they're pulling from, the more authentic it is to you. Mm-hmm. So even though you're in the story of the movie, mm-hmm. like you're picking up on what they're really feeling, mm-hmm. what they're showing. So. Um, I just have to learn a lot. Like, even when I go on tour, when I'm just mm-hmm. around a group of people every day, I'm literally picking up their vibes, like, all, all day. day. All day. And your day swings. Exactly. Your moods as well. If they're in a bad mood, I'm in a bad mood. If mm-hmm. somebody is annoyed, I'm annoyed. It's to mm-hmm. the point now where if I just feel something that I wasn't feeling before, I just look around me at the people around me, and I'm like, okay, what's going on with y'all? Y'all good? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Because I'm I feel feeling you. weird. I I'm feel feeling you. irritated <laughs> and it's not me, so I need somebody to speak up. Um and I have a problem I have a problem even on tour dreaming about everybody else that I'm with. Yeah. Um I've had experiences where I had a dream about somebody else's problems that I was mm. on tour with. Yeah. And I told them you they feel say, like you feel it. But I think that's also why your music makes people relate so deeply mm. because with the words you speak are so infectious. You know, mm. and they really just make people feel it. Thank you. No, real shit. And also, when you're talking about how you deal with your emotions, mm. whenever you get in a space where it starts to get a little dark or you feel more inclined to be more private, how do you deal with those emotions? Where do you go? Mm. <laughs> and what space do you try to find to heal? I think I think that's um, I think that's a challenge for me right now. Mm. Because when I get to those low points, my first my first instinct is because I pick up on other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. When I'm low, I want to move away from everybody, mm-hmm. like, no matter what. People mm-hmm. will even come to me like, I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you. I'm like, no, I don't mm-hmm. want you to feel what I'm feeling because mm-hmm. it sucks. I'm going to go be by myself in this mm-hmm. corner and do what I do. Um, I'm still learning how to go through that. I think yeah. one thing that I, I have learned is... One, sometimes being by myself is necessary mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because I am somebody that soaks up what other people feel. Like, I love taking bad. I just started reading this book. It was on Good tour. Uh, it's called uh, An Empath Survival Guide. Okay. And it was just talking about, it was telling me some ways to recalibrate what all ways that I already do it mm-hmm. because I feel that sensation of, like, cleaning my energy. So it was cool to read. Um but mm-hmm. one thing I just had to learn was, like, not only do I need to take time to isolate myself, but I really need to, like, ride feelings out. Mm-hmm. We can't really, like, stop how we feel. I've never been able to fake a feeling. Yeah, man, me either. But it, we Which can't. Which is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> For real. But we can acknowledge the way that we feel, and while we're riding, 
like writing it out mm-hmm. we're learning about like the root of how we got here or how i got to where i'm at so i say that like that's been my mm-hmm. first step to healing now is like i have this new thing where like whenever i make a decision that's not really in my character like if i go off on somebody mm-hmm. or if i do something that's kind of careless yeah um if i make a decision that sabotages myself mm-hmm. i just think i'm like who what when when why like who am i doing this for like what caused me to go in this direction where is this going to take me and where that is constant self-reflection go? exactly so with that self-reflection and making your music how do you transfer that energy into your music to keep healing mm, i mean i think the music is just documenting where i where i am mm-hmm. Also, not where I not only where I am emotionally, but where I am, like with my skill. Yeah. Like from crash to empathy, I could see people being like, "Your gross is like phenomenal." And it's really, when what like six months, yeah. or like eight months maybe since um, crash came. Who out. is crash and who is empathy? Crash is just like my introduction. Crash felt like kicking the door down and being like, "Bitch." <laughs> John is here. This mm-hmm. is what I do. Um, I feel like I wanted to go in every direction possible when mm-hmm. I put out Crash because I wanted people to know early on. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to put me in a box when mm-hmm. I introduce myself. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go as left as I needed to, especially with a song like Cold, which I knew might not yep. get as much love as the other songs. But I wanted to go as left as possible. So I'm like, I c- I'll leave room for myself to go mm-hmm. anywhere from here. Was Crash confident? Crash could have been more confident, mm-hmm. but Crash had a lot of nerves mm-hmm. in it. I think it was a blessing and a curse. Well, not really a curse, but, like, it had its pros and cons of accepting that technically I was a new artist. Yeah. There was a part of me that was holding on to saying, I've been in the game for years already. Mm-hmm. That's fine and all, but nobody knew who I was. So I kind of, like, had to take a power in that. Yeah, yeah. And like... Think yeah. about your pride and yeah. like figuring out, okay. Also, I feel like I couldn't be as confident because it was my first, it was my introduction. Mm. I I knew that I could only make it as good as mm. what I, I did the best I could, to be mm. frank. But I realized that I settled for a lot. Mm. I rushed in some areas I would have mm. not liked to do. And even though empathy took half the amount of time that Crash took, mm. I took way more time with it every single piece of empathy like we were down to like one word if there was one word i didn't like how it sounded i was, was changing that <laughs> changing it recording mm-hmm. it um when it got to the the cover art you know what i'm saying when i didn't like the reactions or the responses that i got to the cover art for crash we shot we shot a cover art for mm-hmm. empathy i didn't like it we didn't get enough material mm-hmm. we went right back and i had mm-hmm. to pay that photographer for the first photo shoot a full rate she uh, was pissed i was like girl you sent me six pictures like what are yeah. we doing but anyway <laughs> where's the rest of the pictures where's the edits anyway love? she felt like i didn't give her enough i was like it's not worth arguing but we're right. gonna reshoot um and i feel like everything came together perfectly for mm. the cover just to hear people talk about it and it was like it's so nice to look at and it's just like mm. and i'm just like i've just seen that effort appreciated so i think that was the difference between that and the I was able to be more confident because I knew what direction I was mm-hmm. going into. I appreciated the criticism mm-hmm. that I got before. You know, when people don't like it, sometimes that'll discourage you. But it also, I like when people say why they don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, and they get specific. They actually, they actually tell you the truth. 
Exactly. Or you learn something new about yourself that you didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. to actually like take the time to say the why. Yeah. So how would you describe who the girl Empathy was? Empathy was just a girl that just was being super real with herself. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were saying, super vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But also a little bit more confidence, a little bit more like sexy, a lot more of like a demand. Um, the song titles felt like demands. Was that intentional? No. Oh, they felt they were, it was so <laughs> like when I, when I read all the song titles, I was like, these have so much like power and like sass with each one. I was like, okay. I think I, I was just at. in that mode, girl. Mm-hmm. I was in that mode because before we put Empty together, I probably made about 20, 20 songs mm-hmm. going into Empathy. How'd you break those down? Um, well, I'm probably underestimating. I probably made like 40 songs, but we made <laughs> 20 to 40. <laughs> we made so many different type of songs. Right. So it was like every empathy was like every third song. Or mm. something. And then the intro, like it's whatever came like the week before we were finished. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just wanted to make some new music. Mm. And I was like, Rave, just play me some beats. And he played the is whatever beat. And I was like, let me go in here real quick. It's fucking it up just, real quick. It flows so mm-hmm. good. Um, I just ended up picking all of my favorite songs from all the mm. songs we made, and they literally just so happened to flow with each other. Mm. So once we got to mixing, it was it was cool. T- we just kind of gave the whole same approach for each mm. song when it came to mixing, because the song like Break Time, I feel like the mix really made that fit into the mold. Yeah, no, it was your, your mixing was dope. Cause that's why I was telling you, like, it takes you into a world mm. like. Yeah, I really like how Missy took me into a world when I heard right, her. Right. I watched her visuals. Like, I see, I see right. where you're going. I'm definitely trying to create a universe with yeah. my music, with the visuals, with the mm-hmm. the approach to. I feel like the cover just felt like fantasy for me. Yeah, um, and I guess that's what. I like I'm a Taurus. People often say like, Taurus. That's is why you feel everything, sis. That's why you feel I'm everything. Taurus, Cancer, Moon. So Ooh, what rising? <laughs> Aquarius. I'm a rising Aquarius. Yeah. So yeah. Aquarius Aquarius tend to be outspoken. Yeah. Um so <laughs> I'm just really like a stubborn emotional. But you feel everything person. Deeply. Yeah. Um so I felt like I feel like Tauruses sometimes have um they say we have a childlike fantasy of of what friendship and love is supposed to be. So I feel like with empathy that was me not only acknowledging who I really am, but also saying like and this is what I want from mm. the world. And when you're thinking about what you want and you're manifesting, wh- whether it's love or relationships or mm-hmm. work or goals, it all feels like a fantasy mm-hmm. until it's coming true. Mm. So I think with empathy, it was just my way of being like, I know all of this shit seems like impossible, but I'm going to demand it anyway. Mm-hmm. This um, is what I want. This is what mm-hmm. I deserve for exactly. myself. Right. What was one of the hardest songs in empathy to write? Nothing was really hard to write. The hardest song to finish was Hire Me. Mm. Um, the first demo of Hire Me, the vocals were a little bit strange. Mm. I didn't really know how I wanted to approach it vocally. Mm. Um, and then once we recut the vocals, then the beat mix was so off. Like, I had to call everybody, like, what is going oh, on? Y'all need song? to fix this. And my manager was like, <laughs> I'm not feeling it. I'm not. I'm like. I'm telling y'all. Y'all gotta believe in it. I hear mm. it. It's gonna be so good. Mm. And now when it, now this album, people are like, that's one of my favorite songs, and I meditate to it, and I wake up thinking about it. I'm like, I'm so happy that I just fought for that song. Um, mm. 
I know some some men that I'm gifted with as an artist or just as a person, I see potential in everything. Mm. So it might not be the final product, but I'm like, I know where this could go. Mm. Um, hire me, I also, I feel like I need to hire me. The, just the lyrics and the content. Mm. Um, it was, it's not really more so, because I know a lot of people think about love, like pr- intimate relationships, but hire me was more mm. so about like, this is my relationship with myself. Mm. Don't come around acting like I don't know my worth. Don't come around trying to like belittle me or make me feel less than. I don't have low self-esteem. I have a high self-esteem. Um, and I feel like a lot of the time when I was working on empathy, I was really leaning on my higher self. Mm. Um, I was having a lot of epiphanies. It felt like the future me was coming back to be like, bitch, get off the couch. <laughs> like, <Facts. laughs> you are about to be rich. You are about, about, to, be, about to be successful. Star. You're, you're already a star. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, into it. So, like, think about it like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, hiring me was my post to that. And I definitely wanted everybody that heard it to kind of mm-hmm. feel that. I think that's the first step into, like, being more empathetic is, first of all, seeing the higher you. Mm-hmm. You know? No, if you're yeah. in your lower self, it's going to be easy for people to use that mm. um, against you. So I think that just making that type of music and sewing that into myself helped oh, yeah. my confidence. Because when I made that song, I didn't feel like I had high self-esteem. Mm. I didn't feel like I was like so confident, and I didn't even feel like I had the ball. So you're kind of speaking into the future, speaking to the exactly. future. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that was really like my higher self being like, yeah. no, I don't have low self esteem. Like, no, you no, can't I am come that around bitch, playing no. these games. It's a hot with girl me. summer, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then is there a favorite song on there for you? I know I have my favorite. Mm. And of course, it has to be Anytime featuring Kehlani. Really? Yes, because that song just makes me feel so sexy, JD. Anytime I was it. so. Anytime was the oldest song on the project. Really? So the Kehlani feature was new, but I made Anytime mm. about two years ago almost. Mm. That was another song that like the vocals had to be recut mm-hmm. um, for. But I would say my favorite is between Lifelines and speakerphone mm. but i will also say that every song on this project literally was my favorite song after i made it that's what you were saying you picked your top like your top yeah was it five was it five or seven 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 yeah and then lifelines how did everybody get together for the record because your features on that shit is dope with duckworth with terrence martin like terrence martin's amazing uh. um that was actually a badge that terrence gave duck me and duck our first time ever meeting mm-hmm. Um, he got a verse from me before that for another song that I cut in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then his manager was like, oh, you should come to L.A. You should get in the studio with Doug. And I was like, okay. Um, he played me the beats that he had from Terrace. That originally was Duck's song. That was Duckworth's song. Mm-hmm. But obviously I'm all over the song. Like yes. even, <laughs> even behind his verse. You were everywhere. He was even in the studio like, man, you you are just you, killing you him. Just, like, he took my song. It's <laughs> yours. You can just have it. <laughs> he didn't really give it to me literally until like the week. So like the week before we were supposed to turn the EP in, mm. we, had, we had like this one. We had to have seven songs. Okay. We continuously had six songs and like uh, one song like coming in and out. <laughs> like I would add a song. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I need to put this song out. No, it's not working. Okay, I'm gonna put this song out. Oh, we don't have the beat for that. Okay, let me make a new beat for it. Oh, I, we don't like the new beat. 
and so it just kept going on and on and duck like texted me this was before the ep was done he texted me out the blue and was like i keep thinking about this song anytime that you've got like it's so good da, da, da. and i'm like damn that's crazy because it's about to come on my ep mm. and i was like are you gonna do anything it was called palm reader for spring are we gonna do anything with that song we made and he was like nah and i was just like I'm thinking about just like taking it and putting it on EP, and he's just like, "Go for it." <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I want to do this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking about it because I was thinking about that song, and I I kept listening to it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to like, we literally probably till the day before we were mm-hmm. talking Piece to everybody, together, trying to get the stems, trying to get the session. Um, and it's always that last minute song that ends up being like one of your favorite songs. Yeah. It was just between it's whatever and life runs. Mm-hmm. Those like, those were. Definitely my favorites. Speakerphones. You were saying speakerphones. Too. Every yeah, time. Every song, your favorite, favorite song. Hard. I had to think of like, what's my favorite now that it's out? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, speakerphone was definitely, definitely my favorite now. But it's whatever. After, because mm-hmm. it was the newest song too. I was so used to all the other songs. After I made it's whatever. I was it's like, now nah, this is my new shit. I'm yeah, fucking with this. So I was at home like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but that's how you be making us feel, sis. Y'all know that mean with the dude. Yes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how it was. Who who um inspired this album musically as well? Like, and did you have any artists that really inspired the sound and the world you created for this one? Outside of Missy. I don't I listen to I actually listen to a lot of like total, mm. a lot of like SWV, Tidra Moses. I was really listening to like R and B, like the real R and B, like back in the nineties, seven oh two. Yeah. Um, a lot of silk. Another funny thing was when me and Doug first met, he mm-hmm. kinda went into this thing talking about how he had never he missed the era of nineties R and B. So I was like doing the most <laughs> I was like, I'm about to make you a playlist. You, you know, this, this is, is my unacceptable. Shit. I got you. I was like, this is my era. This is what I can do. So I spent I did spend a lot of time listening to that and um I knew that people kinda wanted that more of that from me too. Mm-hmm. Especially Crash being so diverse and so versatile. I wanted people to I wanted to give people i remember actually asking that on twitter i was like do you guys Mm. want something do you guys want seven good songs or do you want a song that has like do you want a project that has like a full ambiance Mm. so i feel like what they say i was getting mixed (laughs) but most of them were saying like we just we don't care we just want we just Mm. want new music we want it to be hot we just Mm -hmm. but i was i just decided on my own that i wanted to give a project Mm. that was all in the same world hell yeah definitely and then you just surround yourself with so many dope artists who I can tell are also just dope people mm-hmm. as well. Do you have a friend that inspires you the most? Musically. <laughs> Musically. I'm like, it's a competition. Uh, I know. I know. Just, just one. Or if it's like a top three. But like. I was, I have to say that, man, all of my friends inspired me in a different way. Like mm-hmm. when I watch Raven perform every mm-hmm. time, I'm like blown away mm-hmm. um when i see when i'm like in the studio with montio when i'm in the studio with me and i just see mm-hmm. their work ethic mm-hmm. and um how th- they just literally never stop like that inspires me mm-hmm. to like go back to the drawing board and and work harder um when i'm watching kaylani i'm thinking about how long we've known each other and mm-hmm. how 
how fast shit changed in chapters. Mm. I'm thinking about that with all of my friends. Man. And th- even think about like five years from now too, it's like things are only going to keep getting crazy. Exactly. So I think that helps me stay focused because I'm like, even if for some reason tomorrow I became like the biggest artist mm. in the world, I have to think to myself like, am I ready for that? Hell no. I still get irritated when people speak to me outside. <laughs> 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 it's going to take a while. And so that c- that helps me um, to just remember that timing is everything. If there are three adjectives you could use to describe yourself, what would they be? Shit. <laughs> First one, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say intuitive, mm-hmm. um, focused, and uh, stubborn. Like it don't matter what nobody say. If I decided something, or if I believe in something, like you know, the song hired me. I feel like. If I wasn't stubborn, if mm-hmm. I was somebody that, if somebody else told me mm-hmm. they didn't feel how I feel and that mm-hmm. changed my whole opinion, that song would wouldn't ever seen the light of day. So, um, I feel like I'll you know be intuitive, mm-hmm. be also observant, but mm-hmm. you know being stubborn too. <laughs> That's real though. It is what it is. Taurus, no, it's literally just like t- all Taurus qualities. Um, who else are you listening to right now? You sent me a dope ass playlist I of your favorite songs. I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was I do make some nice playlists. Is that is that is that a hobby of yours? Yeah, me I too. actually do enjoy making playlists with my friends. But my my latest pet peeve is like when I send them, they don't be listening to them, and I'm yo, like, me too, me too. I'm like, yo, like, I really bitch, thought about I worked really hard on this. <laughs> it's a real art. I remember I made a playlist, and art. I and I'm like structured the songs in order so it all like told a story and shit. And I'm like, you just never even open this. You can honestly <laughs> suck a dick. No, <laughs> I feel you on such a spiritual level. Like <laughs> it's all about the order, sis, and it's a transition. Right. Like it's that's it's all whole It's thing. about the vibe that you get in. Thank you. You know Thank what I'm you. So I do I do enjoy making playlists. I I'm listening mm-hmm. to a lot of um I'm actually like I'm I've transitioned a little bit. I, I still listen to R and B. That's just mm-hmm. my favorite. I will always just enjoy R and B and enjoy mm-hmm. making R and B. Um but I just mentally I've been transitioning to listen to more rap and stuff. I'm hoping my next EP will be more like rap based. Mm. I'm a little bit nervous because of the response. I'm getting the empathy. I don't want people like how I felt with Crash. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to start thinking like this. The next project is gonna be out. It's gonna be vibey and it's gonna be like no, no. We gonna keep. We gonna switch it up. We gonna right. change it. Up. It's gonna keep doing different shit. And I'm just trying to kind of like make that reputation. So I've been oh, listening yeah. to a lot of rap. Been listening to a lot of women in general. I also try to listen to weird shit like shit mm. that i wouldn't even i could tell you're a production girl too like you love beats oh, yeah like you were i know for a fact you were very instrumental picking out all the beats on that yeah also i i structure the beats myself even mm-hmm. if somebody makes a beat I'll that's why you give credit to your producers <laughs> on your on the record yeah of course of why course not? but i yeah. i'm like i'll tell them take this shit out mm-hmm. move that around <laughs> put that at the end we don't need that turn take this sound out it sounds terrible <laughs> I don't like this part. <laughs> I'd be really specific with it. Um, that probably helps them though. It's like people appreciate. Oh yeah, I feel like I feel like if you're not making each other better, then what are we doing? Facts. I'm not gonna let no mediocre. I'm not letting no me get on my project. A lot of my homies like, man, when you gonna get Mike, bro? When you send me some good shit, I will be. On <laughs> I'll be <laughs> I will be on I'll it. I'll be right there. I will not waste <laughs> no time. I will be on it right away. Um, so I just feel like 
I do hear that a lot when people are like, yo, beat selection is crazy. Yo, because it's I never really ever considered it. Um, mm-hmm. Kaylani's last project, I kind of like helped her find some production mm-hmm. for it, So and You also wrote with her on yeah. some songs too, right? Yeah. Which one? Well, actually, I wrote an RPG, but the verse that I wrote, they ended up putting a feature on it. So okay. it didn't make the cut, but it was good. It was Hell yeah. I know, I, know, I know it was good. Um, but I co-wrote, I actually uh, co-wrote Honey with her. That's one of um, my favorite songs. Yeah, right? I love Honey. Um, and st- we're going to work more on like her next album. Definitely. But, you know, yeah, definitely the more that people are telling me, like, oh, you got good B selection. I'm like, I didn't even know that was a skill. JD the A&R, <laughs> y'all. JD like, the a I thought A&R. everybody just didn't want to be in no weak-ass beats, but I guess. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> They, it's not everyone, not every artist just has the ear for beats. So some artists, like, I, guess. I have heard some songs. I'm like, this beat is terrible. Why would you do this? But I guess sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I guess. you can make the beat sound good. Sometimes, but it's sometimes like, you can save why the beat. Would you want to? Just, it's just not, go on, just go on a hard ass find beat. Something and I, I saw this tweet you posted today that you were saying 10 years, you're reflecting on yourself 10 years ago. Yeah. And you were saying 10 that tweet years. That tweet is actually deleted now. I have that so bad. You had to delete it? Yeah, I deleted it. I always, I always tweet something like so, like pivotal, and then ten minutes later, I'm like, I don't care no more. I'm gonna take this down. But I found, but I felt that tweet was dope, just because I wanted to end just talking about the reflection of your journey from yeah. ten years from now, mm-hmm. I mean, ten years ago to now. Yeah. How would you say you changed as an individual, and what are you proud of today? Ooh, Jesus, it's crazy that ten years ago, this month that I was like in that, like when I was saying earlier, where I went through a phase of like rejecting being sensitive and caring about i i want i probably went to the lowest levels of that like i feel mm-hmm. like around that age because i'm 24 now so at 14 through high school and a little bit after high school i had i had some run-ins like with the law mm-hmm. i was hanging around people in my neighborhood that were criminals mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i just I really had no regard for a lot of the things that are so important to me. Like, mm-hmm. life is so important to me now. People b- being happy is so important to me. Bringing joy to other people is so important to me now. Bringing peace to other people mm-hmm. is so important to me now. But when you're at a place where you really don't know yourself or love yourself mm-hmm. like that, you don't care about nothing, nothing like that. Um, and so when I was 14 and all of the stuff that I went through as a child and that I was um, exposed to, mm-hmm. it was sending me on a path of just not caring, not yeah. caring at all. There was several times where I literally should have been in jail for like a felony, mm-hmm. <laughs> several times. Mm-hmm. So I just think, I don't know what when it clicked that like life was about more. I think it was more so when I got into the art, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. I found a way to kind of, expressed that it gave me a way to like release mm-hmm. um and Feel so now release. now being having been in that place it actually helps me be more empathetic because when i'm around especially when i'm around like black people or non-black people and they have this thing where they're kind of classist or they're kind of mm-hmm. like oh these are hood people or these are ratchet people or you know when people will talk down on people that even have a criminal record i'm like you not you don't even know how easy it is for black people to go to jail yeah. But we're so judgmental of people that have criminal records. And I feel like that's so backwards. And I it's feel so like backwards, I, I also feel like if I hadn't been in that position mm-hmm. several times that I wouldn't have that perspective. Mm-hmm. I can tell when people that don't even see people go to jail are like, jail, you did it. 
he's a felon. Like, it's everybody a felon where I come from. Like, mm-hmm. are you crazy? <laughs> shit. It's like shit. being a Girl Scout. Being a Girl Scout. <laughs> but real shit, though. No, but it's real because it's just like people in our generation have such a judgmental eye on mm-hmm. things that we are all human for. Yeah. And we just turn the blind eye to that all the time because we're so afraid of just mm-hmm. looking at each other as yeah. equals. We look yeah. at, we're trying to always be on this whole pedestal thing. Like, fuck right. all that. Yeah, I had to really just humanize myself. Mm-hmm. It helped me to humanize others. Like I say, I was I was just a totally different person. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm somebody now, I consider myself a womanist. I consider myself, like, I like to empower other women. I like to empower black women. Back then, I didn't, I was almost sexist. Like mm-hmm. and I would say that like I'm sexist against women. I think women are weak. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be around them. I can't hang out with girls. I was one of those like I can't hang out with girls. They too drama. Mm-hmm. They too da da da. But it's just like it's all just internalized. All of the misogyny and sexism you internalize that, and you're like, oh, this must be true. The same way that we internalize racism, and like, oh, yeah. oh, I must be less than because I'm black or I'm from this area. Um, and I also was going to high school in a place that was a neighborhood that was Mm. much more affluent than where I was Mm. from. So I think that that also had an impact when you're, when you're around and people are so, that was the first time I was around those type of white people that are nice to you, but they're also laughing at you. That, 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 that that 50, 50, you know what I'm saying? It's like, they're so nice to you, but they are almost like making fun of you. And it took so long to catch on to, and it like mm. it kind of hurts your feelings, but you don't let it hurt your feelings. You just like, okay, fuck all of these people. But mm. um, I think a lot of that was just like impacting um, my self esteem, and that why why that's why. Are you proud of the woman you are now? Yeah, I think it's a process. It's a mm. journey, um, but I think that's why it was so important for me to tap in with other like upcoming artists in my community. Mm-hmm. Because they were all in spaces like that. And authentic and just like mm. coming into the space as a real ass bitch. Yeah. I think mm. as of now, I'm learning I'm learning to be proud of who I am. Mm. I guess it's just a journey of like fully understanding yourself, fully knowing yourself, not just the good. It's very easy for us to make this facade of like, I'm just this humanitarian and this mm. motherfucking activist and this motherfucking the nicest person in the mm. world and I'm a loyal and I'm strong. It's like, yeah, but it's also this other side of yeah. you where it's like things that are not so good about you. So I think that now in order for me to like stay proud of myself, I have to always acknowledge everything about me and constantly like try to be better. Mm-hmm. And so I'm proud of that. I'm proud of my will to do that you know that's the first step honestly and to become and like to fully embody the woman that you really want to fully become mm-hmm. you gotta look in the mirror and say this is who i am right and i'm starting i'm really starting to love yeah. that person i had that i literally had a conversation with myself mm-hmm. maybe uh like three years ago or two years ago where i was just looking at myself in the mirror and i just told myself like you have to decide who you are you mm-hmm. can't just leave it to the world to tell you yeah you really have to decide who you are people that don't know who they are haven't really decided Mm. they're letting other people or events define who they are when you're when you're going through all this trauma and negativity Mm. it's easy like this is who i am Mm. somebody who don't have shit somebody that's 
There's not going to be shit. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. You let that define you, then there will be. Mm-hmm. But it's always that person that decided that they were more mm-hmm. that ends up becoming bigger than their situation. Hell yeah. So I was just, I was in a funk. This was before Crash. This was mm-hmm. before Crash was even getting started. Mm-hmm. And I had already accepted that, like, because I wasn't doing anything, because nobody knew who I was. And I felt like I had already done so much, and it didn't, and it, I didn't have anything to show for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it just wasn't for me. I used to just walk around like, oh, it's not for me, and art is not for me, and I'm not meant to do anything, yeah. and da, da, da. And one day I just, like, had to look at myself like, girl, either you're going to do it or you're not. You know? You can put your best foot forward. Either you're going to be it. it or you're not. Because this in-between and saying, maybe it's not for me, maybe mm-hmm. it's not. I had a lot of friends like, well, maybe it's not. And I needed to hear that because I'm like, no, bitch, you wrong. <laughs> like, no. I could do this. You know what I'm saying? But no. sometimes you need that reverse psychology. So, um, If you could finish a sentence, John Doe will become, how would you complete it? I would say John Doe is becoming mm-hmm. um, who I'm meant to be. Mm. I'm, I'm constantly becoming that. Um and I don't, I don't mean to say that as I guess a final destination, because yeah. you're, you're always becoming who you're meant to be. Like it's not like a, oh, five years from now I'm gonna be where I'm supposed to be at. Like no, mm. you can't even cap yourself off like that. I feel oh, like if shit. Rihanna was the greatest artist that she was, and she's like, oh, I became who I'm supposed to be, she would have never. She would never kept. Started doing Fenty, yeah, and she would have never had a luxury brand. Now she constantly like was reinventing herself. And challenging herself. So, yeah, I don't think that's what I'm doing. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Empathy is out now, y'all. This is this was John Doe on the Kickback Sessions. It was fun. Spreading the peace and the love and the positivity. Thank yeah. you for being so vulnerable. Thank and you. And sharing with me. Thank you, the homie Sydney. Yes. Thank you. That's a wrap, y'all. Hey. Yeah. Yeah.